thankful, thankful that you're here today. If um, you know, there's uh, a lot of things in Scripture that I don't fully understand. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight says, "For we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose." And I'll be honest with you, that's that's something I'm still trying to wrap my head around of how how God is at work in, in, in my life. And I, and I brought some things from my office today. And if you ever, hope you get a chance to come to my office sometime because uh, in my office, I have uh, a lot of things on my wall and I brought some of them. And, um, you know, um, it's funny, when I was, uh, when Emily was in high school, there, there's a friend of hers that, that is, a, is a seeker. She, she's still a seeker. And and uh, she would come to our church a lot, and she'd come to our house a lot. And she would say to me, um, Mr. Wall, um, we'd be sitting at dinner after church. She'd come. She goes, you talk about death a lot. She said that to me, and I, I just kind of laughed because when she was, uh, when my daughter was in high school, I was writing this. This is my dissertation that I finished in 2016. And it's a whole book about death and dying. It's great at parties. People want to talk about it all the time. It's awesome. Um, but I spent a couple of years of my life writing this bad boy. And, um, and you know what? All through my, my life, I've, I've known sudden tragedy. It's been a part of my journey, part of my story. And on my wall, I have the picture of Justin Sullivan, who is, um, you know, we started the ambassadors after he died. You know, there's... I, I keep this close. This is um, one of our teenagers who was killed. Spencer Richmond died. And I, I'll never forget going to Atlanta that day with you guys. And, um, and being there as Spencer went to heaven, one of our teenagers. You know, David Valoran, Coach V died. One of our first coaches we hired for the ambassadors. And, and I'll tell you, there have been moments in my life where I've said, Lord, how can all this work for the good? I don't get it. But I'm thankful for the Word of God. You know, when you look, study the book of Psalms, you know the, the two most common words in the book of Psalms is how and why. Isn't that interesting? When you think of Psalms, you think of, no, that's, that's all about praise and praising the Lord. But, but honestly, the most common words are how and why. Because the writers of Psalms are, are, are saying, Lord, why? How, how do we make it through this? And, and I get frustrated with a lot of preachers, especially in our part of the world, because there's a lot of preachers that will say, if, if you're going through a trial, you have sin in your life. If you go through a tough time, it's because you did something wrong. And, and, and that goes against the very words of Jesus, because Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Now, now, we've been through this in this study in the book of Genesis, and it's very, very important for us. And I pray that you take this challenge and, and you go home and you, and you talk about these stories. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us about these Old Testament stories that we're to know them and we're to, we're to study them and we're to understand them because as we do, we are, we are warned about life. We are understanding God in a, in a clearer way. And, and sometimes we look at these stories 
stories in Genesis, and we have this vacation Bible school memory that, oh, I know that story. I, I understand that story. But, but, but the truth is we miss the details. And, and, and today I have a monumental task that, that honestly I don't know how I'm going to do it today because we're going to wrap up this story in Genesis with Joseph, and it covers Genesis 37 to chapter 50. And, uh, and so that's kind of what our task is today. But, but this is a, a, a challenge that I hope that you embrace. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent today, I want you to know you have a responsibility to go home and to talk to your kids about these stories, to pass on the, the lessons that we see here. And I want you to know you can do it. You don't have to have a seminary degree to, to talk about these stories, but we need to understand the details, and it's going to be impossible for me to unpack all the details of Joseph's life. So I'm giving that to you to go home and finish this. And you know what? We should. This should be a normal practice. And I pray that after this summer series that we end today, that, that this is a common practice for us, that we often get with our family and say, hey, let's look at the details of, of God's Word. Let's understand what God's Word says, because sometimes uh, the only time we, for some of us, the only time we open God's Word is when we come to church. And you need more than that. You need to be in God's Word often, and you need to discuss it, and you need to, uh, to bring the questions to the forefront. And I want you to know I'm thankful for the Lord because God is big enough to handle all of our questions. Now, when you think about Joseph, um, his story is so significant for many reasons. I mean, Joseph's story teaches, teaches us about purity. Joseph's story teaches us about forgiveness, when you think about the story of Joseph, he, uh, he, he, speaks, he, he teaches us how God speaks to us, how God is, is, is commonly speaking to mankind. Joseph's story is this beautiful promise of redemption. And it's interesting as you, as you look at Joseph, in many ways, Joseph is a picture of Christ. He's a beautiful picture of Christ. He's an example of, of what Jesus did. And it's interesting as you look at, at the, the, the children of Israel, God's people. I mean, they walk into Egypt as a family, and they leave Egypt as a nation. I mean, think about that. 400 years later, they leave as an entire nation of people. It's fascinating. When you look at Joseph's story, Joseph is this, is this model of integrity. He shows us how to live and how to walk and how to honor the Lord even when nobody's looking. Um, Joseph's story shows us how, to, how not to become bitter when life gets tough. And that's the story of Joseph. It's amazing. And finally, most important, we see in the story of Joseph is the providence of God. The providence of God is this theological um, understanding, this theological teaching that we see in Scripture that describes how God is at work in all things. And I want you to think about your life. God is at work in all things in your life. I mean, in my office, all these moments that I have, and I just brought four, all these moments are are. Moments when I, I said to God, every one of them, God, wh wh what are you doing? God, I don't understand. God, I don't know that I get it. But do you know what I've come to understand in every one of these circumstances? And when I look at my wall, 
and I sit at my office and, I, and I'm reminded. And there, there, are, there are sometimes I just get normal and I, I just kind of breeze through my office. But there are moments that God stops me and I look and I, and I reflect and I discover, God, you have been good. God, you have been faithful. Though I don't fully understand all the answers, all the answers have not been revealed to me on this side of eternity. And my guess is that I will never fully understand the, the entirety, the, the big impact of all these tragedies. But I've known sudden tragedy in my life. But in the midst of it, I've come to understand, God, you're faithful. And God, you help us. Now, if you get... Now, point number one in your notes, I hope you follow along, is this, that, that, that God is at work in all things. And this is the story of Joseph. This is what we see, that, that God is at work in all things. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 37, and, and uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to do an overview here, but uh, would you stand with me, and we're going to read verses 7 through 10. And, excuse me, did I say 37? 39. Please, 39, verse 7. 39, verse 7. It says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater than he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great and wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Joseph's story is remarkable. You know it. We've looked at it a little bit over the last several weeks. And and Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And and here he was as a kid that he was annoying to them. And they were were frustrated at their little brother. He was their dad's favorite. And and he had this neat little little coat that his dad had made for him. And, and, And it's interesting as Joseph has these dreams as a little boy that, hey, one day you're going to bow before me. And in his immaturity, he says to his big brothers, which I have big brothers, and, and he, was, um, he was saying, hey, one day you're going to bow before me. Isn't that awesome? And they were like, no, it's not awesome. And, and they beat him up, sold him into slavery, and uh, were rid of him. Then as Joseph's story continues, he, he is, goes to Egypt, and it's tragic. He's devastated, and all of a sudden he finds himself being sold to Potiphar, this Egyptian leader. And, 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 and in the midst of his life, and I love Joseph's journey because all along the way, he never, he never gets mad at God. He never stops following the Lord. And when I think about that, I'm so inspired because there have been times in my life that I've wondered, God, is this worth it? God, are you here? Do you even hear me? 
And Joseph goes through trial after trial. And as the story unfolds, it's amazing because he goes to Potiphar's house. And we just read this moment that he was, he was handsome. He was a good-looking guy. He was well-built. And God had blessed him. And he had progressed in Potiphar's house. And as he is in Potiphar's house, he's put in charge of everything. And Potiphar, the Bible says, he doesn't even worry about anything but the food that he eats. Joseph's running everything for him. But Joseph's, well, I'm sure Potiphar wasn't that nice looking because, you know, back in those days you arranged marriages. And so, you know, whether you were good looking or not, if you had money, you could buy a good looking wife. And I bet, I bet Potiphar did that. I bet he had a good looking wife. And, and yet she's like, man, I don't like the ugly guy. I like the servant. I like Joseph, man. He is hot. And, uh, and so she notices him. And what does she say? She comes to him and says, come to bed with me. I mean, she's advancing. You got to boys watch out for those kind of girls, right? And and she is she's advancing, throwing herself at him. And the Bible says what we just read that Joseph said said, "Look, I can't do this. How could I do such a wicked thing?" And what does he say? And sin against my God. Isn't that interesting that that's what Joseph said? He said, "Look, I have such a passion for the Lord that I do not want to dishonor Him." And to me, I look at that kind of life and say, man, Lord, I pray I could live that way. I pray that I could be so focused on honoring you that, that it's, you know, yeah, he didn't want to dishonor Potiphar because Potiphar had entrusted him with these things. But, but he did say, look, Lord, I don't want to dishonor you. What a great lesson for us. How can we live our lives? I mean, are we living our lives with such an awareness of our love for the Lord that when sin comes against us, we say, you know what? I don't want to sin against the Lord for all he's done for me. Isn't that interesting that Joseph was there after he had been sold into slavery? Of anybody, he could have said, God, what, what are you doing? I've, I'm doing exactly what, what I'm supposed to do. I'm honoring my father. God, where are you? But yet Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, I will not sin against my God. Well, as the story unfolds, Joseph one day is, is working in the house, and, and all of a sudden his wife, Potiphar's wife, just just throws herself at him, grabs him, and, and, and Joseph's like, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. And the, and the Bible says that she grabbed his tunic. And so he, a lot of theologians and scholars say that Joseph went streaking because she ripped his clothes off. And he took off running, which is a great example for us as we run from sin. We should be runners. We should run away from sin. But sometimes in our lives, we're tempted to get as close to the edge as we can, don't we? I mean, I, I hate that, hated that question as a youth pastor when someone would say to me, a teenager would say, how far is too far, Chris? How far is too far on a date? And, and that's a really bad question because that's like saying, how close can I get to sin without falling into sin? Now, the Bible tell, teaches us that we should run from sin. We should flee from that, flee from immorality. That's what Joseph does. And so here he is, the honor in the Lord. He does what's right. But what does she say? Potiphar's wife makes up a lie about him and says to Potiphar, look, he came to make sport of me. Potiphar got mad and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners go. Now, now I'm sure that was really nice, Right? If it's where the king's prisoners go, this is probably a tough spot on the planet. 
And, and Joseph goes there. He's thrown into prison. And again, he could say, God, where are you? What have you done? But we see in the life of Joseph that God is at work in all things. And that's true. That's a biblical promise that we see. And, and as, as his story unfolds, we, we, we see that Joseph goes into this prison. And man, it, it's tough. But again, God blesses him. Now, there's some lessons to learn here I, I, and, and some things I'm still trying to wrap my head around. And, and I want us to see that, do you know that God's faithful in times of temptation? You know that when you're tempted, God is faithful to help you temptation? This is why I pray you memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. This is a passage of Scripture that needs to be on your heart. I want to challenge you, memorize this as a family. Make sure your kids know this. Make sure you know this. It says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall, for no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. I want you to understand that God is faithful in times of temptation. Do you know that God is faithful in times of protection? You know, like, like, like Daniel said today, it's easy when, when we're protected. You know, I had a guy come to my office just a couple weeks ago that was struggling because he and his family were on the other boat in Branson. And, and he, he was struggling. He's from Owasso. Their family's from Owasso. And they said, he said, why did God protect us? As he's holding his grandson, thinking he's going to die, getting back to shore and realizing we survived, but that other boat sank. And he's feeling guilty. I, and I said to him, he's a friend of mine, and I said, you know what? God's faithful, God was faithful on both of those boats right there. How? I don't know. But I want you to know God is faithful in times of protection. Do you know that God is faithful in times of suffering? God is faithful when times of suffering come. And, and, and I, pr I want you to know that when a preacher gets up and says that all suffering is brought about because of your sin or your failure, that's not true. Joseph suffered greatly. And all he did, all we know, and he wasn't perfect, but all he did was honor God all through his life, and he suffered. God's faithful in times of suffering. Do you know that God's faithful in times of blessing? That when you're blessed, God's faithful. And what I've discovered all through my life is God is faithful in times of loss. I want you to see today, and I want you to know, the Bible reveals that God is faithful all the time. God is at work in all things. And, and, and for us, as, as I look at my life, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, we've studied this as a church, that not that I'm speaking of being in need, Paul writes, for I've learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to to abound in, every and every, in, in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. 
I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we know the context of that, of that text of Philippians 4.13 is not, I'm going to go out and win the football game today. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No, the context of that passage is my life is at the bottom. I am wrecked right now. And God, you can help me through it. And so we should grow in our knowledge of God. In our, in our trust in Him, that God is faithful in all things. And the Bible communicates that. Now, as you look at Joseph li- Joseph's life, he continues to go on. And, and in, in, in chapter 40, as he, he goes into prison and God blesses him, and, and this incredible experience in Joseph's life, he, these uh, two... Um, Men in Pharaoh's uh, cabinet, if you will, they, they, they get thrown into prison and, and they have a dream. And, and Joseph is now in charge of everything in the prison because God blesses him. And, and God has put him in charge of the king's prison. And, and, the, and people just, they, he, they just looked at him and said, Joseph, you've got something on your life. And it was the hand of God. And this is why I pray that we as, as men and women say, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to walk with you even when we can't see you. That's Joseph's life. And what happens is the hand of God comes on that kind of life. That life that says, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to believe your word rather than my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own understanding. God, I'm going to trust your movement in my life more than my own wisdom, my, my, the wisdom of our culture, the wisdom of our world. Lord, we will trust you and listen to your voice and put every other voice aside. And that's what Joseph did. And, and so it's interesting because... Verse 16 in chapter 40 is when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was positive. He said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Joseph interprets these dreams. And, and what's interesting about Joseph, these two men come and, and Joseph was faithful to share the good news. He was also faithful to share the bad news. And, and that's a great lesson for us, for us to be uh, recognized that there are times that we have to face difficult moments. There are times of blessing. There are times of difficulty. And, 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 and then it's interesting because as Joseph interprets this dream, it happens just like he said. You know what Joseph said to the, these guys? He said, hey, when you get back into Pharaoh's household, will you remember me? And guess what happened? They for, like, uh, it's interesting. Um, verse 22, but Pharaoh hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had explained to them, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And so all the, it's like Joseph can't get a break. Now I want you to notice the first verse of 41. Two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. So we got to understand that Joseph has been in this spot for years. Isn't it interesting how we want God to answer us right away? God, I need an answer right now. God, I need to explain things. I, I need you to tell me right now. And do you know that, that, that often God calls us to wait for him and to listen? But there, that there's an... There's an interesting part about Joseph's life as we just take a big picture of him. 
He spent years in this private obedience. And yet God blessed him. But you know what God was doing the whole time? He was preparing him. And here's one of the things I've noticed. Private obedience, point number two, private obedience empowers public influence. All of us want to be used by God. If you're walking with Jesus, if you know Jesus, you want to be used by God. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's important that we recognize the power of private obedience. We saw this last week as we looked at Judah. This comparison of Joseph and Judah. And, and, and I'll tell you, I pray that we can learn from Joseph. What did he do? He obeyed the Lord even when no one, no one was looking. Do you obey the Lord even when nobody is looking? That's what Joseph did. He, he believed the Lord in every circumstance. I don't know what you walked in here today with, but I pray that you go home and you open the story of Joseph. You open God's word and you say, Lord, do I believe you in every circumstance? Do I believe you only when times are good or do I believe you all the time? You know, um, and here's another thing you see about Joseph's life, and I, and I see this in it. You know that dark times confirm the presence, power, and promises of God. If you walked in the room today and you're in a dark time, you know what's amazing about dark times, and I've seen this, that dark times confirm the power and the presence of God. Do, do you know what I was doing the day Justin died? Before, uh, I was working on 1 Peter chapter 1. That's what I was memorizing. The, the, the week that Justin died, I had just finished memorizing around verses 10 through 12 that talks about trials. And, and here I am walking through one of the biggest trials I've ever known in ministry. And, and I was memorizing this verse that talks about trials. He said, these have come so that your, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And in that moment, I, I was, I was memor I'd memorized that that week. And here I found myself, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. And I felt like God said, just trust me, Chris. Trust me. And when, and, and when I stood in front of Council Road Baptist Church to preach his funeral, I said, Lord, I will do my best to lead our church to trust you, even though none of us understand you. That's the story of Joseph's life. And, and I found in my own life that when dark times come, the presence of God gets real. The power of God gets real. The promises of God get real. And, and I've seen it. And that's the story of Joseph's life. And so the next time a dark time comes to you, I pray you remember this day and go back to Joseph. God, how can I learn from Joseph's faith? You know, when I think about, it, it's easy to believe God when things are going great, isn't it? 
But when we get that pink slip, God, where are you? When we face that loss, God, where are you? And I love the way Joseph lived because he would ask himself, Lord, what do you want to teach me through this? Lord, what do you want to teach me about myself? What do you want me to teach teach me about life and the world? And and that's how he made it. Um, You know, I think about 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Listen to this. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Through the comfort we ourselves receive from God, for as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so Christ, so through Christ our comfort also overflows. So you know that sometimes you go through a trial You know that God's preparing you to use that in the world, in the life of somebody else. I don't know all that God's going to do with Spencer's loss. Well, he's not lost. We know where he is. But I know that God has used Spencer in our church, in our lives. I don't know how all the ways that God's used Justin, but I've seen how God has been at work. And folks, I want you to realize that through dark time, when dark times come, God is faithful. Now, as the story goes on, Joseph ends up progressing, and God blessed him, and he becomes the, the, one of the most influential rulers in all of Egypt. And God rewarded him. God led him. And the story unfolds as the famine comes into the land, everybody is, is, is struggling. And it was Joseph that God used to spare the land of, of Egypt. And, and all the other people from all the other lands came to Egypt in this famine. And as, as they did, Joseph's brothers show up. And, and the story is remarkable, and you need to go look at it. But these dreams that Joseph had as a young boy, he watched his brothers, his older brothers, come and bow before him. And what's interesting is last week we looked at Judah. Remember Judah's wickedness, that awkward story of Judah and his transformation. And we see this in chapter 44. Flip over there real quick. Um, In chapter 44, this incredible drama unfolds as, as his brothers come back and Joseph has not revealed himself. He's not told his brothers who he is. His brothers just think this is this powerful Egyptian ruler who is, knows divination. He knows these things and, and they're worried and they're afraid and, and, and they, this drama unfolds that Joseph says, go get your younger brother. And I want to see him. And, and this is Joseph's real brother. Uh, they have the same mother. And, and Joseph still hasn't revealed himself. And, and, and he works this whole drama out as now Joseph says, I'm going to keep my young, this, your youngest brother as my slave. And look at what happens. Look at Judah, verse 16 in chapter 44. Then Judah went up to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against my servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. He's like, it's Judah, the one who had run away, who had rebelled against his family, who hated his father, who, who was, had the idea to sell Joseph 
into slavery. And now you see Judah saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my younger brother. Verse 33, look down at this. He says, now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. And, and Judah is saying, I, I'll give my life for him. I, I don't want my father to be hurt. And you, this is that transformation of Judah that we looked at last week. If you missed that message last week, go back and watch it because that's remarkable that Judah would be changed so much. And then this was the spark that caused Joseph to break. Verse 1 of chapter 45 then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me so that no one stayed with him. Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. And here as the story of Joseph unfolds, you, we know this, that God has a purpose for our pain and difficulty. And then that miraculous verse in Genesis 50, turn over to Genesis 50 verse 20, as Joseph begins to make this, he makes this statement that is remarkable. As he looks at his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. And here's where the big lesson of God is at work in all things. Do you know that every pain and difficulty you face, God has a plan for it? Now, we'll often be uncomfortable in life. And can I just say to us that may we, may we as a church body for the rest of our lives live this way. One of the dangers of American Christianity is that we are all about our comfort. And point number three, as you look at the life of Joseph, you cannot get away from this, that God has not called us to comfort, but to a mission. You see, I don't want to stand before the Lord. Because one day we will all stand before the Lord. I don't want to stand before the Lord and look at him and say, God, I just wanted to live a comfortable life. Because when you follow Jesus, let me tell you something, it will never be comfortable. When you think about Joseph's life, he did not live a comfortable life. Now, did God bless him? Did God lead him? Absolutely. But he went through major trial and major difficulty. And we've got to avoid that temptation and that that. Uh, Satan wants to lull us to sleep and, and live this life of comfort. And let me tell you something, that will never be where God has you in your life. I, I pray that we learn from Joseph. What did he do? He, he listened for the Spirit of God to speak. And this is how he lived his life. He waited for God's plan to unfold and he expected God to keep his word. And can I tell you something that, that that's true for us as well? 
Do you know that God's going to keep his word? He always does. And I love this incredible lesson that Joseph understands at the end of his life, what you meant for evil, God used for good. There are going to be many moments in life that will not be fair. And I'm thankful that I got to rub shoulders with with this kid. Because in his journal, I I said this at his funeral, Justin wrote, be thankful that life is not fair. Because if it were fair, we would not receive Christ's forgiveness. Find satisfaction in what God has allowed us to do. Don't dwell on what we've not done. Can I, can I just stand in front of you today and remind you that even in the midst of the trials, God is good. Even in the midst of ultimate questions, ultimate questions, those questions that we go, God, I don't get it, I don't understand it, and I may never understand it, God is faithful. And the trials that you go through, God will use for his glory. And don't you want to stand before the Lord and offer a life to him that was used for his glory? Isn't that the way you want to end up? Do you want to end your life with just stuff from this world? Or do you want to stand before the Lord and say, God, I've lived for you. And I've honored you with all I have. It's my job as your pastor. And it's your job as a congregation to hold one another accountable, to honor the Lord, and to hold our lives like this not like this. Let's be a people that say, Lord, whatever you do, we hold our lives like this and we trust you regardless of the circumstances.